Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Before we begin today's podcast, we did tape the podcast on Thursday afternoon based on scheduling stuff. So you'll hear about our Bucks Dolphins preview and you'll also hear about Urban Meyer and his situation in Jacksonville. But just real quick, the Steve Versnick, uh, before we get to the podcast, the Rays shut out the Red Sox 5 nothing in Game 1 of the ALDS on Thursday night. I'm sure many of you have watched it, or if not, you've read Mark Topkins' coverage in the Tampa Bay Times or at tampabay.com this morning. But just wanted to talk real quick about Shane McClanahan making his first career postseason start. Of course, he made his Major League debut during the postseason last year, the first pitcher to ever do so. So a rookie pitcher goes out there, five shutout innings, looked really strong, uh, really set the tone early in that game. And then, of course, Randy Arozarena. It's October. It's postseason baseball. You know Randy's doing special things. Leads off the game with a walk. He scores on Wander Franco's double in the first inning, and boom, the Rays have a 2-0 lead early. Hits a monster home run in the middle of the game, just crushed it to left field. And then late in the game, the highlights you've been seeing everywhere, the one that nobody can stop talking about, Randy Arozarena steals home in the postseason. Of course, Manuel Margot tried it last year for the Rays. It didn't quite work out. But he had uh, Chris Taylor uh, timed up beautifully at third base. Raphael Devers was playing way off third with the shift with Brandon Lau up. So he was able to get far down the line. As soon as Chris Taylor kind of went to a set, Arras Arena broke. And just an incredible play. And, and Kevin Cash afterwards talked about Randy's always talking about, you know, do I have the green light? Do I have the green light? Verde, Verde, as, as Kevin Cash would say. They gave him the green light. It was 4 nothing at the time. The amazing thing about it is he does it with two outs, and it's a 1-2 count on Brendan Lau. And Taylor panics on this. So Arozarena is coming home, and he throws it home. All he has to do is throw a pitch over the plate, and it's strike three, and that you can't steal home at that plate. But Taylor panicked. Of course, the guy's coming, and he just throws it, and he throws it high. Um, you know, So it was out of the strike zone as he threw it in there, and Arozarena was able to beat the tag in and, and, and be safe. But one thing with when you have two outs and two strikes and you're trying to steal home, all the pitcher has to do, because Brendan Lau backs out. As soon as he sees a Rosarina come, he backs out of the, the the plate to give him room there. And all Taylor had to do was throw a strike but didn't. But incredible play by Randy Rosarina. It's October. You remember the last season with 20 postseason games, what, 19 runs, 11 home runs. Uh, you know, he just picks up where he left off. It's just absolutely incredible what Randy Rosarina did last postseason. And so far, one game into this postseason, just absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, you know it. You know it's special when the guys on Fox Sports and their post game show can't stop talking about Rosarena and Shane McClanahan, and they're not even really talking about the Red Sox, which 
you know, e- even if the Red Sox lose, you know those shows generally want to do that. So impressive performance by the Rays. Rick and I will talk a lot more about this series on Monday's podcast. Of course, by then we'll have Game 2, which is tonight, and then Game 3, which will be Sunday in Boston. So we'll be able to talk about those three games uh, on the podcast on Monday. But without further ado, here's Rick with the Bucks dolphins preview. You know, there have been years where when the Bucks played the Dolphins, it felt like a little bit of an interstate rivalry. They were they were both sometimes good teams. Sometimes the Dolphins were really good teams. But that is not this year, folks. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are not a good football team. And they're even worse now because they've lost their quarterback, Tua Tungavaloa, and are going with uh, Jacoby Brissett, of course, the former University of Florida quarterback who was with Indianapolis. Steve Versnick, I was looking at this team and trying to figure out, you know, how this matches up for the Bucks, and I think it's pretty good. You know, the, the Tampa Bay secondary, of course, is obliterated with injuries. Uh, we know that Richard Sherman, you know, gutted through a game they didn't play particularly well in, but got through it. They're going to be without Carlton Davis, uh, also probably Antoine Winfield Jr. with the concussion protocol. They do have Mike Edwards to fill in for him. Um, but, you know, you, you're not looking at uh, frontline players kind of hanging on in the secondary until some of these guys get back. This is the team you want to play this week. And for that matter, we'll see what happens four days um, from now on Thursday when they go to Philadelphia. That might be a similar situation as well. But these are the teams you want to play. And so I think I think this is a nice matchup for them. And first of all, it's a 1 o'clock game, which is, is a little bit of normalcy. They've been playing at night all over the country in different times and things like that. Um, but this Miami team, while they did take the Raiders to overtime, and that's probably their best performance, this is a team they should be able to dominate offensively, and I just don't think that the Dolphins can score enough points to beat the Bucks. Well, and I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, we talked about with the Rams and taking advantage of the secondary, and, and the Patriots took advantage of it too, although differently than the Rams did, but I don't think the Dolphins have enough weapons to really take advantage of the Bucks defense right. and, and their their weaknesses right now based on injury. Um, the other thing I think that's a huge part of this is they're back home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last two weeks were the first two times they've played on the road as, as this kind of team with Tom Brady at the helm has yeah. played. And they played at maybe the best team in the NFC at the Rams, although they just got beat by the Cardinals. So, But one of the best teams, I think we can agree there. Oh, and yeah. then an emotional game in New England that was also played in the rain. And so now they get to come home. They get the home crowd, all the advantages of that, mm-hmm. and you're taking on a team that you should beat pretty handily. I, I think it bodes well for the for the Bucks, and it sets up well this week, going into a short week where you have to then go on the road to Philly on Thursday night. Yeah, and they, they won't have any practice that week. It'll just be walkthroughs like it normally is. The one thing I will say um, is that I, I've thought in the past that Miami has had a pretty good defense under Brian Flores, mm-hmm. who, of course, is from the Bill Belichick school, of course, um, knows New England, knows Tom Brady. And so if you're Brian Flores and you watch that game, and of course he has because he's studying the, he's studying the Bucks playing this week, um, when he looks at that New England game, does he have the same kind of personnel where he can try to enact a similar game plan in that um, you, know, you don't show him a lot of pre-snap looks, um, at times you drop eight when he thinks you're going to you know, uh, rush six. I mean, there's a lot of disguising that can go on. He does have some talent on that side of the ball. I mean, Xavier Howard 
led the NFL in interceptions a year ago. I mean, this this will be some tough one-on-one matchups for guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the secondary. They're going to have to win some routes, right? Um, but that that to me would be the Dolphins' only chance is is to you know try to clamp down on Brady, um, limit you know sort of the big plays if they can, and maybe create a few turnovers because, like I said. They got some guys that will take advantage of, of bad plays. If, if you throw the ball in the wrong areas, they're going to get their hands on it and they're going to intercept passes. And you could be looking at a long day. It only takes a, a turnover or two that can turn the game. Barring a bunch of turnovers, though, I, I just don't see how the Bucks lose this game because you're right. When you look at their playmakers, their so called playmakers, I mean, Miles Gaskins, who's a seventh round pick, is, is like their leading ball carrier. They got Malcolm Brown. Um, the receivers, you know, Devontae Parker is probably the biggest name. Jalen Waddle was the rookie from Alabama, had a great, uh, you know, season with the Crimson Tide. But again, he's a rookie. So, I mean, really, there's there would be no excuse uh, for the Bucks not to come into this game and and get back to scoring over thirty points. And if they do that, if they score more than thirty, I simply don't see, you know, barring turnovers, how how the Dolphins can win this game. Well, and on defense for the Dolphins, and their defense is generally pretty good, but do they have Matthew Judon? Because he wrecked the, 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 the Bucks game plan on offense last week. And, and yeah, the rain did. and everything else that helped. But when you've, yeah. got a, when you've got a guy on the line that can do what he does, um, you know, that certainly helps against an experienced quarterback like Tom Brady. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think this game is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Bucks. I think, you, you know, everything about it. I mean, coming off the emotional game last week, you know, that's finally past them. I mean, you know, all off season, you know, that's what everyone was looking at, including probably in that locker room. Oh yeah. Was was that game against New England. Brady and, said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brady said it. He said it was it was way more I think, you know, he was trying to toe the line during the week, but when it was over, he told everybody how exhausted it was for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was for the rest of the team as well. Sure. And, and wanting to win that for Tom and, and, and everything else. And and that being said, you had one of your toughest games the week before that too. Yeah, you finally get that part of the schedule past you, right? And, and and I think particularly in the next you know week, when you get past Miami and then whatever happens in Philly, even if you mm-hmm. you lose that game, then you get the extra rest after Philly, and then I think you get back to a normal football schedule at that point. And maybe you get you, ba- you get back some players too. Well, ho- yeah. yeah, hopefully you get some injured players back too. But you know this, you know you're going to be in the first six games, two Thursday night games. Now one was mm-hmm. the opener, so it's not quite the same as a short week right. going into it, right. but. You've had four o'clock, eight o'clock, four o'clock. I mean, your starts are all over the place time wise. I mean, it's just it's been a I don't want to say herky jerky schedule in in that, but you know, add all that in with the emotion, cross country flight to to Los Angeles, get back very late, late flight back from New England. I mean, all that stuff. You know, yeah. I think everything kind of you know normals out kind of after the next week or so. But I, I think the Dolphins are a perfect team for the the Bucks to face this week. Well, I can personally tell you, and I'm not a 25-year-old or even a 44-year-old athlete, but I can tell you that the travel will take its toll. It has on me um, this week. So um, let, let me just uh, say in, in terms of, you know, the Bucks have had to sort of patch, fill in where they could because they, they lost Rob Gronkowski, which was a huge loss. He was off to one of his best starts mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Brady, and he does so much in the running game, um, even though they hadn't tried to run the ball very much. But um, certainly he's a guy that Brady looks for in the red zone. And last week, their biggest failures was inside the 30. Look, they got to the 30 or, or closer six times. They attempted five field goals. 
You know, I mean, they attempted five field goals out of six trips to the 30-yard line. So what was missing? Well, that red zone target was missing. I mean, they smothered Mike Evans. Um, They tried him a couple times. Uh, Antonio Brown absolutely dropped one in the end zone at the very end of the game, which could have, you know, put it away sooner. Um, But they missed that tight end. Somebody asked me uh, the other day on an interview uh, about O.J. Howard. And, you know, the one thing I'll say is that, you know, without Gronkowski, you lose not just – and I know they ran the ball better uh, at New England because I think they gave it more opportunities to to succeed. They they you know it was a it was a rainy day. Uh, they felt more comfortable keeping the ball on the ground, and they did a good job. I mean Leonard Fournette absolutely uh, had one of his better games, but it wasn't a great game blocking wise for OJ Howard. And and I think in as much as some people think that well without Gronkowski then Brate's the next guy. Well he's not. Um, OJ Howard is is for all intents and purposes he is now Gronkowski. Because Rob is that inline tight end blocker. When you have one tight end on the field, it's Rob. But when you have one tight end on the field now, it's O.J. Howard. And so when they go 12 personnel, they had two tight ends and one running back, then, then you're going to get break. And, and I don't think that, you know, well, I know O.J. coming off the Achilles injury didn't, hadn't played at all. I mean, they barely got him in any snaps the first, you know, three weeks. So um, that was his first real sort of, you know, full game action. And I think there's going to be a big difference between his first week and his second week. And the more he plays, you just, it's just not like riding a bike. You know, you just don't get right back on there and say, oh, I got this. And, and, and you know, the grades are not good. Like, he did not block well. Um, he certainly uh, could have made himself more available as a receiver. I think Brait and Tom were off on a few things. Um, he made some big catches down the stretch, but they missed some some opportunities as well. So, you know, the more that they rep this in practice preparing for this game, I would expect them to be a lot sharper uh, at that position. And then, you know, defensively, look, nobody's run the ball on the Bucks. I mean, they just haven't. I mean, they, uh, they had minus one yards against New England. I mean, you know, that's unprecedented in the NFL. Well, are you going to ask Jacoby Brissett to throw it 45 times? Because if you do, you're going to lose. And I think that, you know, Brissett, well, you just look at his numbers – he has no down the field threats. I mean, he he. I think his average, you know, per attempt is like under five. It's like four point four point six or something like that. Uh, that's pathetically low in the NFL. You know, you're not going to win games without explosive plays in a passing game. You're just not going to score points. Um, you might possess the ball, and that might be the plan going in, and we're going to keep it away from Brady, etc. But without explosive plays in the passing game. And without being able to run the ball effectively um, with the guys we talked about, Miles Gaskins and, and Malcolm Brown, there's not many options for the Miami Dolphins. I just don't see them coming into Raymond James. The crowd obviously will be predominantly or mostly Buccaneer fans. There are probably some Miami fans around here, but it's not a good it's not a good Dolphins year. So I I put a lot on the plan that maybe Brian Flores can come up with and his knowledge of Brady. Um, that might be that might be a little bit of an advantage for them, having seen, you know, what what the Patriots were able to do. But at the end of the day, um, this is you're right. This is exactly what the Bucks needed. The Bucks needed um, sort of a breather game, um, one that you know these backup defensive backs, um, you know, can uh, can you know Pierre Desir or whoever's playing can kind of settle in, and Richard Sherman maybe don't have to play. 
58 out of 59 snaps, use him a little more liberally and give him rest because he said his legs were jello by the fourth quarter. I mean, probably sooner than that. Um, and so, you know, you want to be able to have some some rotational um, situations there. So I just, I mean, I would be pretty optimistic if I were the Bucks. I think I think you're right. This is the team they need to play right now. If you get this win, you're 4-1. and one. You got a short week going to Philly. Another football team that you're better than doesn't mean you're going to win because, it's on, again, it's on the road. So that's three out of four road games. Uh, and it's a Thursday night, so it's a short week. If you can survive that, if you can somehow get to five and one and get those ten days off, you know, then you come back. I think they play the the Bears, and then I think they go to New Orleans and play the Saints on the on October thirty first. Um, you get a little rest, you get a little wind back in your sails, and then hopefully, you know, we'll see. Jamel Dean may play this week. Um, maybe you do get Carlton Davis back. Um, you know, by the time you get to the Saints, uh, you just have to start hoping that some of these guys get healthy and that you don't lose anybody else because it seems like mm-hmm. every time they play, they lose a defensive back. Well, and, and, and all that we said, you know, I, I look, they're the biggest favorite this week in the NFL. I think they're about a 10 point favorite in this game. Uh, so, you know, Vegas and all that agrees with us as far as that goes. Yeah. If the Bucks struggle in this game, then you might want to, you know, I, I was one couple weeks ago and they lost to the Rams. I'm like, look, it's week three. Mm-hmm. It's against a very good team. First game on the road. It's not time to panic. And it's even if they lose this game against the Dolphins or struggle, it still won't be time to panic. But right. if if they come home and struggle against a team like the Dolphins, then you got to start looking at some things. Going, what what's changed or what are we not doing right or you know that because this is a team they should handle. Particularly, like I said, coming home and and you've got the emotion and everything behind you. You know right. the secondary still beat up, and if Jacoby Brissett somehow can find a way to to take advantage of that, you know if you're, if you're still not getting a consistent pass rush, you know it was better against New England. But it was before, good last week, yeah. I thought. But before that, it, it struggled. You yeah, know, they've got you know they've got to figure out how to continue to get a pass rush to help that beat up secondary. If they can get if they can continue to to improve that pass rush, like we know they're capable of, and they have for this last several years, then mm-hmm. I, I think they handle the Dolphins pretty easily. Yeah, and that's and that's really what has to happen when you have a secondary that's that's uh, that's beat up. You, the other guys have to take more of a load, and that means the pass rushers. I thought Shaq Barrett had one of his best games. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it, they took away a, an absolute fumble that he caused. I don't know how they ruled that. Uh, whatever they ruled it, an incomplete pass, I guess, because he didn't make a football move, even though he took three steps to the goal line. Um, but that that aside, he he rushed really well. He was in there on on uh, a lot of pressures, and you know, obviously Joe Tryon Shawinka, um, you know, had his first two sacks of the season. Vita Vea created one by moving the entire right side, <laughs> left side of the offensive line. It was insane what he did. Just he just forklifts guys. I mean, he had two men, he had one in each arm, and he literally forklifted them and pushed them backwards into each other, while Joe just kind of looped around and got one hell of a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the quarterback. So, you know, if you show that sort of pressure, if you if you can, um, you know, if you can dial that up. I thought Devin White played one of his best games against New England. Um, at times, he seems like he's a little out of control. He's running around there like a like a crazy man. But but his his hustle uh, usually pays off. He dropped an interception. He could have had a huge day because that would have been a pick six. Um, they need to start catching those. I think that's the other thing that's missing is that they've had opportunities for turnovers. And whether it's the referee taking them away, mostly 
Uh, we remember Jamel, Jamel Dean dropping one mm-hmm. against the Rams. Those plays change games, you know. And so you got to start seeing guys catching the football. You know, we saw Mike Edwards do it uh, in what was a probably too close a game against the Atlanta Falcons, and he came down with with two interceptions on some deflected passes. You have to catch those. Devin White uh, the other night dropped one. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a pick six. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in front of him if he catches that ball. You know, uh, I mean he's he's running for a touchdown. The game's over. So. You know that those are the little things that you see that you go okay. Well, if you clean this up, if you if you catch the ball here, um, the good news is they're creating opportunities. The bad news is they're not taking advantage of them. But if they ever do, I'm still one that thinks this defense, because of the injuries, and maybe maybe more than that, but because of the injuries, um, you know they they have not been anything close to what they were at the end of 2020. Um, you know if their baseline is those final eight games. They're 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 just a, a poor facsimile of that, and you know they need to get back to being that kind of defense. And I don't think they will be until they're a little more whole. Um, but I do think when you have, you know, I mean, what a what a gift to find a guy at thirty second pick like Joe Tryon Shawinka. I mean, mm-hmm. with Jason Pierre-Paul out, okay, um, to to be able to plug that guy in, and he still doesn't know what he's doing out there. I mean, half the time, you know, he's just getting upfield and losing his, losing the edge, and and you know, not not playing his technique right all the time. But he's such a force, and he's such a, a powerful guy that um, he's 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 a problem. You know, if you put on the tape, you know, when Miami puts on the tape and they say, okay, we've got to worry about Shaq Barrett. I mean, this guy led the NFL in sacks. He's coming off a really good game. Oh wait, who's this other guy over here? What about him? You know, and and so all of a sudden you're like, well, we got Vita Vey and Dominican Sue in the middle, and well, we can't run the ball, you know. So I mean, Brian Flores has a lot of problems, um, you know, just just on that side of the ball, let alone trying to defend this Bucks offense. Well, and staying on the defense, I'm I'm interested to see how Richard Sherman does this week, and and I don't think he had a great game the other night, but then again, he had been in camp for three days, right, and and. Granted, some of the way he was playing led to that, too. I mean, he was playing to keep everything in front of him. Yes. He wasn't playing shutdown corner or lockdown no. corner. He was playing, uh-huh. you know, look, I, I've been here three days. I'm still getting in shape. I, I'm keeping everything in front of me. No big plays behind me. Right. I'm curious to see his improvement this week, having another week of practice, a, a week to get in shape after a game now, um, a little more comfortable, and, 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 you know, to see what they do against – Jacoby Brissett and and some of the, the the Dolphin weapons, which you know I think that Buck secondary even as banged up as they are can hold their own against. So I'll be I'm really curious to see how much better he plays. And like I said, I didn't think he played well last week, but some of it was by design too. Of look, I'm just going to make sure I don't get beat deep. Uh, you know, nothing's going to get behind me. I'm going to keep everything in front of me. And, and that, so I you know I, and I think that worked last week for him. But that, that's sort of the way that Bowles has played this year. Mm-hmm. It's a little unusual. But I think because of the injuries, um, you, you see a lot more too deep. You see a lot more zone coverage. Um, you know, they are. They're trying to keep things in front of them. If they get a team to third and long, then they're bringing some pressure and, and, and playing a little more man coverage. But, you know, what Sherman said was not you know, his problem. He thought the communication was great. He said, those guys really helped me. The linebackers were great. Um, you know, the, the safeties, he goes, they all put me in the right position. He goes, I look at it, and then I see where I'm playing the right technique, and I read things perfectly. He goes, I just simply didn't have the legs to get there. You know, I, I could read things out 
and I'm watching myself and I'm not moving as quickly as I normally would. And that part of that's age, but the biggest part is he hasn't played football. I mean, mm-hmm. all these other guys, if you can imagine, you know, sort of sitting on your couch and riding a Peloton for, you know, four or five weeks, okay, just, just being on a bike. And then you go out here and they say, okay, we're going to run a marathon today. It's 26 miles and you got to finish in this much time. I mean, you haven't run a marathon. You're not, you haven't trained for a marathon. You're, you're in bicycle shape. You're, you know, your weight is down. But, I mean, you're out there. You know, this is a marathon. Like, this is, we're actually running, you know, against other people. So it, he wasn't in any way could he have prepared. You know, you only can prepare for playing football by playing football. And, you know, there's, there's preseason shape. You know, and, and that's how guys usually get in shape is they compete with each other in the weight room. They compete with each other in practice. And, and then there's, you know, there's the OTAs going even further back. But you have preseason games, so then there's preseason game shape. And then the regular season, he skipped all of that. I mean, he went straight to, I'm playing 58 out of 59 snaps against the New England Patriots in the biggest regular season game maybe in 100 years. So... You know, given all that, what we call it is he held up. That's what they say in the NFL. When they plug somebody in there and he doesn't get abused, well, he held up. And, and that's really a compliment for a guy uh, at, at, you know, 33 years old that, that was literally just introduced to his teammates, you know, 72 hours ago. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I still don't know what Richard Sherman has left in him. Um, it, it's possible that teams will go after him. I know I would. I thought New England did. Um, but you know, what's happening with their, with their philosophy right now, because of the injuries to the secondary, I don't think Bowles is nearly as aggressive. And I think that they're giving up a lot of yards, you know, I mean, the, the, the stats show that, right. They're like 28th in the NFL, uh, in total defense and even worse in passing defense because they're allowing teams to complete balls. I mean, Mac Jones had 19 straight completions, 19 straight. And there's something wrong when a guy can, you can hum 19 in a row on you. I don't care if they're five-yard dinks or not. So, you know, that that's just a, a kind of a the template that Bowles has kind of thrown out there, and I think it's just trying to survive, you know, knowing that if we can keep teams to kicking field goals, and that's where they were good, right? They were really good in the red zone, um, that Tom Brady will somehow outscore them, and he did. You know, he did because the 56-yard field goal, you know, went off the, the upright. So, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see, you know, Bowles again, you know, try to make Brissett be patient, try to, you know, let them dump the ball off. If they can shut down the run, nobody's run against them. Um, they'll probably bring more pressure. And, and uh, I don't know how Jacoby will handle that in a home crowd, one o'clock game, uh, all of that. So for all those reasons, I, I just don't see, you know, short of just a lot of turnovers. Now, the one thing that has been a problem in Joey Knight, wrote about that, uh, or we'll be writing about that on Sunday, is penalties. You know, they, they're still, and I think, I think some of that is what you talked about, they haven't played on the road with fans. In the last two weeks, you know, they've, they've had way too many false starts, way too many, you know, self-inflicted penalties. I thought the officiating, by the way, and I'll just say this across the board, some of the worst officiating I've ever seen has been this year. I don't know what in the hell is going on out there. I mean, there was one play where, where it was an absolute false start. The Bucks pointed it out. Hell, the left tackle dropped his head because he knew he was guilty, and they still didn't call it. You know, There's another play where they absolutely run straight into Le- uh, Levante David trying to cover a guy on a crossing route, knock, knocks him to the ground. Richard Sherman's pointing at him. They're pointing at him. No flag. 
No offensive pass interference. I mean, blatant stuff, you know, can't miss stuff. Even the fumble, I thought, was a horrible call. You know, I, I don't know how that, that wasn't a fumble. So, you know, you get some of those turnovers uh, and some of those penalties are going your way and you're good, but they've, they've still committed far too many penalties. You know, um, this was a problem last year till week five. Well, we're in week five now. You know, they need to stop it. And if they can do that, that's really what helped them turn around last season, you know, is they weren't beating themselves. So there's a lot to work on. Um, it's it's the perfect team to to sort of improve against and, and try to come out of this 4-1. and one. And look, you know, it's such a long season. But 4-1 and one is a pretty good start, you know. You're still in first place in the NFC uh, South. You know, there's a couple of other good teams like New Orleans and Carolina. You're not going not gonna to leave them this early. Um, but, you know, just, just avoid ever losing two in a row is what Brady does, right? And you're going to be pretty good throughout the season. So um, looking forward to it. It should be a good game. Just glad it's at 1 o'clock. So glad to have kind of it's a It's the first natural. 1 o'clock game this, this year. There's very few. I mean, I, I mean, I mm-hmm. looked at the schedule. There's like almost none. So particularly at home, particularly at home, there's very few. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, in 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 Tampa, they generally um, ask for and are granted, especially as a Super Bowl champion. You know, they it's so hot in September that they want four o'clock starts anyway, which is to benefit the fans. But um, but this is what you get when you're the relevant football team. You know, right? You get you get the Monday nights, the Thursday nights, the Sunday nights, uh, the primetime matchups and. And it really is, it's one more element that these players um, before Brady weren't used to dealing with. You know, we had one season where, except for the Thursday night game, which was mandatory, every game they played was 1 o'clock. Every single game. This is just one of two home games that are 1 o'clock. Yeah, that's incredible, right? The the last one is at the end of the year against the Panthers, which could get flexed. That could get flexed. Yeah, Yeah. it's either 4 or 8, so it's the last game of the year. Very likely could be a night game, absolutely. Yeah, that that could have a lot of implications, not just for the playoffs, but for the division. And um, if Carolina's still in it, I could absolutely see that game being flexed. Anything with Tom Brady, I mean, it's interesting. Like this game, right? Which you, I mean, other than the fact that the Bucks and Brady are in it, right? You got Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So and, CBS doesn't have the doubleheader this week. So Fox no, does. but I mean, yeah. but but they they chose this game out of all the yep. AFCs to send their number one broadcast team to, right? So it's like. There we go, Jim Tony. We're gonna, you know, right, Jim. He's gonna he's gonna run the counterfade right here. But yeah, it's it's uh, that's just the power of Brady. That's the that's the attraction. That's that's what your franchise is now relevant, which is really cool. And for years and years, I mean, if you said Dolphins Bucks, everybody be like, "Wow, the Bucks are really bad, right?" Hey, the Dolphins are pretty good. Um, I just remember coming all the covering all those Marino teams, and uh, even after that, you know, some of. Uh, some of the other clubs they had down there were good too. So, Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Looking forward to a one o'clock game for a change. Okay, before we get out of here, I wanted to to talk a little bit about this uh, Urban Meyer. Speaking of Florida football, um, this Urban Meyer mess up in Jacksonville. And 
you know, <laughs> where do you begin, right? So they have a game in the great state of Ohio, right? And who they played? The Bengals, I, w- I would imagine. Is that who they were playing, Jacksonville, last week? Yes, on Thursday night. Yeah, the Thursday night game. Okay, so you know that you're going to have the extra days off, you know, after that, right? So Urban Meyer, okay, here's mistake number one. Well, you can go back You can go back to when they hired Urban Meyer. There's a bunch of mistakes that we could talk about, you know, hiring a strength coach who is, had racist tendencies and bringing in Tim Tebow who did not – did not sit well with many members of the locker room. Uh, eventually, of course, was released. But there's been other missteps along the way. Um, and so Urban Meyer, so they go up there, and now they're an own four football team, okay? And, and the franchise itself, I think, has lost 20 in a row, if I'm not mistaken, and which is nearing uh, or right at an NFL record, spanning over a couple of years. So he decides... And I've never, and look, I've done this a while. I've never heard, I've never heard, which is saying something. I've never heard of a head coach not traveling with the team back from a game. It just has never happened. I, I, I can't even cite that. So there's mistake number one. He had it a happens plan. in college, and, and generally it happens because the coach goes off recruiting, particularly like right. if you have a bye the next week. Yeah, the, co- okay. the coach may go off elsewhere to go start recruiting because on the bye weeks is when they do that recruiting during the season. Okay, so so they do it in college on on occasion. So yeah, occasionally purposes. for college you'll you'll hear that happen. And like I said, it's it's because they're they're going to work. They're not like yeah. taking a vacation. Right, right. Well, in Meyer's case, he had just kind of preordained to pre pre plan this thing because he basically said, "I thought you know we all needed to clear our heads." Well, the players have to be off no matter what because when you have a Thursday night game, they got to be off four days. So he's, I thought we needed to clear our heads, and I needed to clear my head. Well, okay, mistake number one, there's no clearing your heads in the NFL. Okay, it's week four. All right? Get over it, you big baby. I mean, you've got 17 of these, and as he said earlier this season, it's like playing Alabama every week. Yeah, it is. So I don't know what you're clearing your head about. Um, the, the most important thing you can do for your football team is to evaluate how they played, how they lost, correct the mistakes, okay, then send them on their way, you know, after you get that accomplished, you know, on Friday. And then they get their they get their next, you know, three days off. So that's the most important thing. So he, he, he decided, this is obviously something he had planned. So he decided, I'm not flying home with the team. I'm going to stay in Ohio. I've got my own little bar there. My family's there. And he mentioned – Wanting to see the grandkids. Uh, okay. Well, you know, I don't know how much money Urban Meyer has made in his career, but the grandkids, they can be flown in or out as much as he wants to be. And for that matter, I mean, you know, fly home with the team in Jacksonville, take a day for your little private jet and go back to Ohio if you need to see him that bad. But you need to come home with your football team. You need to uh, absorb, you know, what had happened to you in Cincinnati you need to correct the mistakes and and then move ahead. You know, you got to bury this game before you can really go on to the next one. I mean, that's just the process in the NFL. And once you bury it, you bury it. You know, you don't you don't go back and rehash Cincinnati anymore. You're on to whoever your next opponent is. So he didn't travel with the team. So that's that's just not etiquette in the NFL, which is a problem number 1. Then number 2, of course, I mean, what he did uh is inexcusable both to his family and his football team and an embarrassment to the organization 
you know, being caught in his restaurant, um, grinding against somebody that is not his wife, uh, you know, his, his clumsy explanation that, well, there were people in there and they wanted us to take some pictures. Well, you got, we got the pictures. All right. We got the receipts and it's humiliating. And it's a, it's a really a black eye on Khan and the entire Jaguars organization. Here's the problem that Urban Meyer is going to face. When he lost, you know, when he, when, he, when he made some mistakes earlier in, in his tenure there, like the strength coach, like Tim Tebow, he, I, I promise you he lost some people in that organization, you know, whether they were coaches because there were some coaches on his staff that didn't agree with Tebow, Tebow or, or players, you know. Some guys just probably looked at him with one eyebrow up and said, mm. because the one thing about the NFL is, they're not impressed by your college resume. They're just not. These these guys have all moved on from their college days. They're pros. And they want you to come in there and help them achieve their their goals as a pro and and, and it's a, you know, they're grown men, they have families, they're married. Um, you're not dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids. You know, these these guys are grown-ass men and some of them, a lot of them make more money than you do. So they're looking for structure. They're looking for guidance. They want to win. So when you, you know, when you do something like this, I mean, what's the one thing you tell your players, you know, almost in the first meeting? Hey, guys, nobody can go out here and embarrass this organization. You know, we're going to be accountable to each other. Uh, we're going to do the right things on and off the field. You know, um, we have a standard of behavior and work ethic and all these things that it's going to take and sacrifice to each other. And here's your coach everywhere on national TV, every internet, you know, just letting it loose, man. Um, in a place where he has no business being on a day, he had no business being there. So now how many, how many guys in that locker room do you think at this point have said, this guy's a clown, he's not going to win in this league. He doesn't understand how to win in this league. He has no clue what he's doing. You know, I, what's this guy about? I mean, what is he really? What is he about? I know he won at Ohio State. But this just goes to show you, like, the vast separation between college and pro football. They're, they're not just, like, because you play football, it's the same sport. It's an entirely different business. In college football, the, the head coach at a place like Ohio State or Florida, I mean, they, they, if they win right and, and urban has won they they are the man you know they're they're teflon they they they're more they're more irreplaceable sometimes than the than the university president you know they certainly bring in more revenue so you know they 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 answer to nobody i mean really they don't they they are they are the kings of 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 their castle and you know every everybody orbits around what they want to do that's not the case in the nfl there's 32 of these teams, and they all want to knock your block off each week. And it doesn't take much that once you lose that locker room, then Shaq Khan doesn't have a choice. Now, right now, he's sticking by him. I don't know that. I don't know if he can survive the season. I, I know there's a big financial component to why you wouldn't fire him now, unless you had cause. And I don't know what he did is cause or not. Um, but Urban Meyer has dug himself such a hole that the wins aren't going to come. I mean, I, you know, Jacksonville was never going to win more than four or five games. If they won five, I think we'd all be like, wow, good job, Herb. Um, so if the wins don't come, at what point 
At what point does he just lose his entire team? Well, their bye week is in two weeks. And a lot of times that's the time when you're going to change a coach out if you're going to. Because yeah. it gives you it gives your you know whoever you promote up and the rest of the staff time to adjust, right? Because the game weeks are quick, you know. Yes. So, so they're home against the Titans this week, then they're home against the Dolphins, and they get their bye week. Yeah. So you know, if Shad wants to 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 make a change there, that would be the time you would do it. Um, barring you know you just have to because it's 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 gotten that bad in the locker room or in the organization, so. I don't, you know, I don't know if he'll do it this year. I, you know, it's a bad look for Urban, and you know, I, I think many of the players were already skeptical of him long before the season, long before Tim Tebow, long before the strength coach. I mean, the, you know, the day he was announced, I think it was a, a lot of those players probably questioning it. Um, you know, he hasn't helped himself, and and how you can get the locker room back after that, I have no clue how he does that. Now, the, the other thing is that. You know what happens when your staff senses that this isn't going to work? They start looking for other jobs. Mm-hmm. It's it's instinct. I mean, you have families, you have kids in school. Um, you need you know if you're if you're linked to a head coach like Meyer that may not survive the season, much less much less be back next year. Okay, um, your college hiring season. And I'm sure many of his staff members came from college. You know that that takes place well before the NFL season is over. So those guys start networking and start worrying about their futures. And and you know what happens? Your game plans aren't as good. You know your meetings aren't as good. Guys, guys, are, I've seen it happen with the Buck staff before. You know, you just. I mean, I know I go back to and I love Monty Kiffin. He's going to be inducted in the. He was inducted recently into the Ring of Honor. Um, but I still say that when, you know, in, in Gruden's last season, when Lane Kevin got the job at Tennessee and Monty made it clear he was going with him, I think Monty was wrapped up in recruiting more than he was in game planning. Um, they lost their last four games and, you know, Gruden ended up getting fired as a result of it. But these coaches will, will definitely, you know, start worrying about their futures. And, you know, you may not hear it coming out of there. They're loyal to Urban. You know, he, he hired them, all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day... Well, it's human nature. It's not that, it's they, nature, it's not that right. they want to... They don't want to leave Jacksonville. But well, yeah, no. or, or not perform their job to their fullest ability. Yeah. But it's human nature. I mean, you know, if, if yeah. you think Urban's out, that means you might be out. And, of course, you know, that's what happens. It's also the reason why you don't fire a coach. Like, I've, I've talked to GMs that said, you know, even if we know we're going to fire the guy, you know, um, we wait. You know, the worst thing you can do is have an interim situation because as soon as you fire that head coach, now everybody knows they're gone too, right? Because you're not likely to hire the interim coach as a head coach mm-hmm. for the next season. So one reason to keep Urban around would be, hey, let everybody think they have a chance that this guy could survive the year and maybe you can turn it around and you'll all be back next year. So – but it does. If it gets to a point where the team won't respond to him at all, if it gets to the point where he loses more of that locker room, and remember, you got a young, really talented quarterback, who's by all intents and purposes seems to be a really good guy too, in Trevor Lawrence. You don't want to make his rookie season just an absolute nightmare. You know, um, you, you can't you can't lose your quarterback in the first season because your head coach is is doing stuff like this. So. I uh, I wish him well. I was skeptical when they hired him. 
I, I think, uh, you know, I think he's revealed who he really is. Uh, he, he's 50 something years old. He's, he's, he's old enough to know better. And if those are his priorities, uh, he's not, he's not going to last in the NFL anyway, because he's going to get out coached every single week. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think Jacksonville might be looking for a new head coach soon. So anyway, um, the Rays uh, are playing as we do this podcast later tonight. Uh, it is an, it is a late game. So we will talk about their series with the Red Sox on Monday and it should be a good one, man. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the Bucks will have a short week, and they'll go up to Philadelphia on Thursday, so virtually no time in between uh, their game on Sunday, and then they'll be headed to Philadelphia on Wednesday after practice. So, And the Lightning uh, will have their final preseason game Saturday night. Yeah. As the season opens Tuesday night, and uh, Lightning backup goaltender the last two years, Curtis McElhaney, announced his retirement. So, Saw that. He was out on top with two Stanley Cups. So who's their backup this year? Brian Elliott, who was in Philadelphia okay. last year. Okay. He played in St. Louis pr- prior to that and, and some other places too. So. Older guy or just – Yeah, he's more of a veteran guy. Not quite as old as Curtis McElhinney, but yeah, a veteran. Um, yeah. You, know, it, you know, he's looked a little shaky in the preseason. Um, he said, you know, after his first start, it's, you know, always a little shaky the first time you go back out there. and then. But I also don't think the team's played great in front of him, and you've had a lot of young guys and stuff too. So it's, you know, it's pre-season. not your normal line in front of you. It's not, you know, all yeah. that stuff. So, But he's a, he's a veteran, you know, a lot like McElhaney, you know, knows what his role will be. Vasilevsky's the starter. I just come in when they tell me to and go Well, that's there, the so. other thing about Vasilevsky plays an incredible amount of games. I mean, he doesn't really take many days off. You know, he doesn't like to. A, He'd rather play them all. So, yeah, I mean, so you have that going for you. Yeah, so lots coming up. We appreciate you guys listening. I apologize for my voice; it's been a little uh, on the on the downside here the last couple of days. Hopefully, we'll be back to full strength on Monday. You talked about that travel and how it wears on you. <clears throat> it got me, man. Got me bad. Yeah, some virus that uh, just nailed me down for a couple of days. Didn't make it out to the Bucks even. So, I'm hoping to bounce back from that because we got a short week as well, which means a short week for me. But. We'll all get better, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy the weekend. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.